Good morning, people. It's your boy Caesar here, and this is a Hybrid Club midweek one shot. Hope all is good. You know where to find us on the socials at the Hybrid Club, and you can find me at C Saves, C E A S E S A Y S. So, yeah, listen, we're in the final week of the transfer window. Seven days left, closes uh, September 1st. So, lots to get through. Let's not forget, loads has happened so far, lots of movement, lots of transfers. Arsenal doing well at the moment in the league. Looks like the uh, transfer activity of the last couple of windows, last few windows, is bearing fruit. But still lots to do. And you're seeing that pick up, that uptick of uh, activity all over the Prem and all over Europe, to be honest. I mean, we see United ramping up their efforts to get Anthony from from Ajax. West Ham interested in Paqueta, you know, a former uh, player linked to Arsenal and a decent player by all accounts. I think Eddie's been public about his admiration for him, but clearly not, if, not enough to, to, you know, make a bid but there we are Isak to Newcastle one of the players who was most definitely on the list of Arsenal strikers that they were interested in before they opted for Gabriel Jesus I think we got the better deal there but you know Newcastle dropped in dropping 60 million so you best believe that that money machine is coming so we need to to capitalize on our good form and try and get to the Champions League and get ourselves back to the top of the European table as soon as possible because you know that competition for European spots European spots is coming um, Chelsea interested in Fafana, of course. Fully expect a, a new bid to go in there. And Chelsea also interested in Anthony Gordon from Everton, uh, supposedly for around £60 million plus. So, yeah, go figure what's going on over at Chelsea. I was going to do the whole, uh, what are they smoking over there at Stamford Bridge, but no need to revisit that trauma. Um, from the Arsenal side of things, Big story, Nicola Pepe looks like the move to Nice is on straight loan with no obligation. Somewhat disappointing because you would have wanted the whole Pepe experiment at Arsenal to end. But, you know, a straight loan gets him out, gets him playing. And uh, yeah, you never know what happens from there. I mean, he did change agents at the start of the summer, so it's clear that a move was on the cards. I don't think anyone is surprised by the fact he's being moved on. Um but you never know, they might be eyeing up a chance to see, you know, if there wasn't an option for a, a permanent move uh, this summer, particularly because of his wages, I imagine, being a problem. Then who knows, maybe they're eyeing up a contract termination by running his contract down with a few more loans. Um, but in reality, my hope is that he goes to Nice, has a good season, and then there's a bidding war for him next summer and we can get a decent fee for him because we should be getting a decent fee for him. You know, Saliba went to Marseille, they wanted to buy him, we just wanted him back. Maybe Pepe goes to Nice, has a good season, and they want to buy him, and we say, cool. So, fingers crossed that deal can get done. I mean, look, he moved to us in 2019 and almost immediately wasn't a fit. You know, uh, we all know that Emery wanted Zaha. Emery wanted, you know, a right-footed attacker who plays on the left with Premier League experience, and he got Nicola Pepe, a left-footed attacker who plays on the right with no Premier League experience. So, you know, that pretty much tells you when there's a lack of joined-up thinking between the head coach and the, the executive structure, and that's exactly what happened. You know, uh, Raul was, of course, the one um, in charge of the transfer strategy when Pepe came in, and not long after Pepe came in, Raul was gone, along with Hasfami, the contract uh, negotiator at the time. Um, obviously, there was redundancies in executive uh, and, an, and an executive shake-up at the club. Edu and uh, Arteta came in, and Arteta clearly had different, different ideas. Um, hopefully, Pepe can thrive in, in Lille, um, hopefully he'll have more space to transition um, and he can show what he can do because he is very much a transition player and never really fit our style. Not someone you exactly want playing in a side that 
um, has a bunch of defenders sitting behind him. And it's a bit odd as well, actually, because during his time here, you know, Arsenal have at some points been a transition team. So you would have thought he did quite well. And I think in those games, when we are playing like a transition team, he has done well, but our style has evolved over time. And so the more the styles evolve, the less he's seen like a fit. Um, you know, we know that Arteta is ridiculously demanding when it comes to the off the ball work. And that's an area where I think he's maybe a little bit lacking, at least by the standards being currently being set. Um, and it's a shame because he has had some brilliant moments. You know, he did really well um, in the run up to the cup final and in the cup final itself. Um, you know, being a key part, you know, you got that goal that was disallowed, but what an FA Cup final goal that would have been if it had, if it had been allowed to stand. But he did really well at that point. Um, even last season, you know, we only came back from a goal down once and that was against Wolves and he was a big part of that, you know, scoring the goal coming off the bench and being a key part of the uh, the Lacazette. I'm giving the goal to Lacazette, to be honest. He didn't get too many, so I'm going to give this one to him. The Lacazette winner. Um but then, of course, there was that game against Villa where 1-0 up, the game is pretty much done and he gives away a silly foul, you know, within crossing distance of our box. Fortunately, Leno pulls off a really good save, gets the ball away, but you can tell Arteta is fuming. And it's that lack of consistency that's probably killed his career. Um, but again, looking back on how he came here, he was never really a fit. So fingers crossed, he goes to Nice, has a brilliant time, builds up his value, builds up his confidence, and then can get a permanent move. Speaking of players who need to move on, there's also Maitland-Niles. Um, listen, AZ Maitland-Niles is 25 in a few days and he's been in the first team for a very long time. He made his debut in a 4-1 win against Galatasaray in the Champions League in 2014. We're now in 2022. Um, he's made over, you know, or close to 200 appearances for the club. He's, he's definitely around that number. Um, and it looks like Southampton are pushing to take him on loan. There also is reported interest from the likes of Fulham Bournemouth, West Ham. Um, it looks like to, you know, we we all, I think, correctly assumed his contract was going to expire at the end of the season, but it sounds like there's an option to buy, uh, sorry, an option to extend the contract by a year. Um, so that makes it interesting because effectively, if we take up that option, which you imagine we would, he's got two years left on his contract, which means a loan maybe with an obligation and if no obligation then it's a straight loan now again similar to the pepe situation a little bit annoying in that it's clear his future doesn't lie here he should have moved on already it's a shame he's still at the club because he did really well when he broke into the first team and showed his versatility it hasn't worked out and he should no longer be here but he is um what i'm hoping for though is that he goes to a team where he can show his best form. He goes to a team that's suited to his style of play, where he can play well. I mean, this is a guy who, like, you know, broke into our first team from our youth team, you know, made has made over 100 appearances for the club, nearly 200, as we said. Um, you know, he's played and won in a cup final for the club. Um, yeah, he's, he's played European football for the club. I, I mean, seriously... He's a player who should be worth decent money. You know, we spoke about that English tax. Anthony Gordon potentially going for around 60 million. Gibbs White going from Wolves to Forest for 45 million. You know, these are the kind of numbers we should be seeing. Um, you know, we should be a player like Maitland now, as good as he was at his peak for us, you know, 30 odd million wouldn't have been a shock, you know. Um, so maybe he goes Southampton or a team like Southampton does really, really well, gets his value up, and we, you know, get a few clubs bidding for him. That would be fantastic, but he does need to go. He does need to play. He's not even making it into the match day squads, and he's not going to if he stays. 
um, with the depth we have in our team now, he may not even make the bench. Um, and I and and I say that in all seriousness, you know, with the degree to which that I think Arteta's moved on from him, he may even struggle to make the bench in Carabao Cup games, to be honest, if he stayed. So really, really hope he he moves on and reinvigorates his career and keeps going. Um, there's also the conversation with uh, Bellerin and Barca, as well as obviously the continued talk about Betty. So I think the reality is on the Bellerin side, everyone knows he's not part of Arteta's plans. He doesn't really want to be here. Everyone realises it's time to move on. There's no animosity. I think it's just a case of people running down the clock, getting closer to the deadline day and to see if his contract termination happens. I know people are heated about the idea we could cut some kind of deal to get him to go to Barcelona, only for Barcelona to turn around and sell him to Betis for £15 million, um, six months from now or something like that. My personal views are, and I know this is triggering because of the Aubameyang thing, but my personal views are, once they're not our player, they're not our player. We have to get the best deal for us that we can at the time. And what happens, whatever happens after that is whatever happens. I mean, over the last however many years, we've let go of numerous players. Any one of them could revive their careers and go on to be phenomenal. And we'll sit there and go, you know, what the hell are we thinking letting them go, you know, Serge Gnabry style. But my thoughts are very simple, really. We have to maximise the deal we can for our club and then move the, move on. Um so that's what it is. You, if you recall the thread from Swiss Ramble about Arsenal's finances and FFP and everything else, one of the, one of the takeaways that uh, I took from that was the importance of getting high wages off the books for our compliance with FFP rules. Bellerin is a high earner, particularly a high earner for a player who's not going to play. Now, it might be galling that we may have to write off a contract or get a, a minimal fee if that, but think of it this way. For those people saying, oh, just chuck, chuck him in the reserves or whatever the case may be, fine. But you've got an unhappy player in the squad who is still being paid to do nothing. You've still got to pay him and he's contributing nothing. Alternatively, you get the wages off the books and you save that money and he's not here causing problems. So what do you want to do? You can say, yeah, but it's not right that we you know, facilitate a move. The problem is, of course, we still have to pay him. And the whole chuck him in the reserves thing isn't really a thing in 2022. It happens, but not often. So we'll see what happens. Don't get me wrong. Like everyone, I want a fee for Bellerin. That is that I, I see absolutely no reason why we shouldn't be able to get a fee for him. But ultimately, I don't know how serious the Barca rumors are. I hope they're real so that we can get some kind of bidding all going. And, you know, but the reality is if he only, if it's true that he only wants Betis and they're the only ones in for him, and he's willing to forego some of his wages to make it happen, then we'll just have to see what happens. But for me personally, I think the most important thing is these players who are not part of the plans need to go because we had that experience of having players, first team players, not registered and not part of the team. Um, and we saw what impact that had. Um, and we saw the difference in the team when those players were gone. So I think, yeah, we need to do that. Um, just noticed again on the age of the squad, I think I could be wrong, but I think if you know we were to get rid of um, Bellerin and Pepe, um, less so make the nails. But in any case, if we were to make some of the outgoings that we expected to make, I suspect that Matt Turner, Shaka, and Party would be the only people in our squad over the age of twenty-five, which tells you just how young our squad is. Um, but yeah. In any case, that's the outgoings. Incomings, we all know the conversations around Pedro Neto. We'll see if that gets done and whether the reported valuations between the clubs can be bridged. Um, now, of course, 
all the talk about Pedro, Pedro Neto, there may be a mystery winger we sign in a similar way to the way we brought in Vieira, you know, before. Um, no one had a clue. His name wasn't mentioned. I'd heard a thing. Um, and it took everyone by surprise, which makes a nice change given how heavily reported transfers are now. A club signing someone out of the blue, refreshing. Maybe, again, it's um, something that the club are working on. Maybe it's a winger we don't know. It seems well reported that we are interested in Pedro Neto, but, of course, there's interest. And then there's making a bid. Those two things are very, very different. So we'll see what happens. But if they do bring in a mystery winger that no one's um, expecting, can we do like the the? Can we do the announcement video? You know, mass singer style. So don't even tell us who the person is. Don't even announce the new signing. Just have someone show up on sort of a, a social media post, mass singer style, rip off the mask, and that's how we find out who it is. Be phenomenal. Imagine just blah, beautiful. Um, but just to say on Pedro Neto, if we are interested. For him to play against Fulham, he would need to be signed, registered um, by 12 noon on Friday. Now, I think that's incredibly unlikely, but just something to, to keep an eye out for. Um, what else is going on? Carabao Cup, uh, we got have been drawn against Brighton um, at home. A very good side, as we know. I think we have to get past the days of seeing clubs like Brighton and thinking, oh, lesser side, we should walk over them. Brighton are a very, very, very good side who are coached by a very good manager and have very good players. They're also in very good form. So lots of things, very good. So let's hope they rotate as much as we will because we know we'll rotate to get some of those players who haven't been playing some some game time. If they go full strength and we rotate, we may have a bit of a sticky fixture there. But if both sides are rotating, then, then I fancy our chances to be able to do something in that game. But it will be a very tough game. But it does mean that if we do go through, that's one less Premier League side in, in the competition. So let's see what happens there. I don't think the first game in the Carabao Cup till well, no, obviously we've had the earlier rounds, but I don't think this round of fixtures is, is taking place until November. So we've got a little bit of time. Um, there's also the Europa League draw, which is happening on Friday. Um, so having a look at it right now, probably the teams that I would be most... Um, most uh, weary of would be Roma, having just won the Europa Conference League and earned their place in the Europa League. Uh, United, as much as they are a bit of a uh, a bit of a clusterfuck at the moment, the reality is United is still United in, in the Europa League. They could do some damage. And Lazio as well, solid side in the Europa League. One I would still expect us to beat, but nonetheless, solid side in the Europa League. Um, however, that being said, eight teams will drop into the Europa Champions League. Um uh, we'll drop in from the Europa Champions League, sorry. So the format's slightly different this year. So the thing to bear in mind is with the Europa League, all group winners will progress straight into the round of 16. Um, and that'll be taking place sort of around uh, middle of March. The second place teams will go into a playoff round around the middle to end of February. And they will face off against eight teams that finished third in the Champions League. So the teams who finished second in the group stages will play the teams who finished, who dropped out of the Champions League having finished third. And they will play for the right to go to the next round of the Europa League. So that's a that's something that's new, that introduction of the playoff round. Um, and the third place teams um, in the group stages will drop into the Europa Conference League, where they'll play the group runners up in a playoff there. So there is a chance that, you know, a heavy hitter drops out of the Champions League and suddenly we find ourselves playing one of Europe's elite in, in a playoff round to get through. So we got to wait and see what happens. My hope is that it's a strong competition this year. All of the heavy hitters go through and we get some favourable draws because this club is too big to have not won the Europa League. Um, we need to take advantage of it. United have won it. 
in recent years. Chelsea have won it in recent years. We need to win this competition, not just to get back into the Champions League, but for winning a trophy. Too many people talk about winning Europa League as a, as a route back into the Champions League. I want to win a European trophy. That's what I want to do. And the perk of getting back into Champions League, great. But for me, Champions League football, I want to, I want to earn that through the league. I want to win a European trophy. And if it comes to Champions League football, all the better. Um, and we've not done that. We've been unfortunate in, in recent years, you know, having played the likes of Atletico Madrid in the semi-final, having played a Chelsea who had Eason Haddad and, and Giroud playing some of their best football. So unfortunate there. But we've also had some, uh, you know, we've also had some games we really should have won, you know, going out to Olympiacos that season was ridiculous. Um Obviously, injuries uh, doing us no favours in the semi-final against Villarreal, where, let's face it, Unai Emery, the Europe, Europa Cup king, uh, did the business against his... Uh, his. Uh, I, I, I was going to use the word usurper, but that's a bit harsh. You know, he was, he was long gone before Arteta arrived. But, um, but yeah, it's... We've had some, some bad luck and we've also had some bad, bad, bad performances. I think it's time we put that to bed and it looks like we've got a decent enough squad, enough quality, enough strength in our team that if we can keep people fit and maintain the levels, we should be one of the favourites for that competition. We shouldn't be scared of saying that. We shouldn't be afraid of it. We should, and the players should, feel as though this is our competition to win. And so hopefully they go into it exactly with that mindset. So anyway, that's it for me. That's a hybrid club one shot. Um, Hope you enjoy the rest of the day. We'll be here later today with a uh, preview. Looking forward to the game against Fulham, where we'll go over, you know, the lineups, tactical approach, um, some of the things to look out for and expect from the game. But yeah, that's it from us. You know, as find us on the socials at the Hybrid Club. Find me at C Says. You know, like, subscribe, follow, tune in, comment, get in touch. Let us know your thoughts. And yeah, enjoy the rest of your day, people.